Alright, listen to Rick and I. I'm Chris. I'm Ryan. So how do we do Rick and I, pal? Well, we draw a theme from a hat, and then we each pick a record that we think best represents said theme, and then we listen to it, we react to it, we delve deep into it, analyzing its themes and really figuring out what makes it tick, and then we just talk about it. How you doing, pal? <laughs> I'm doing alright on this, the the 16th episode of our podcast. Sweet 16. Yeah, we, we did. We did have a sort of sixteenth episode. We did do a mini episode on uh, disheveled cuss as a uh, self-titled, but I don't really count that. No, I don't either. That was like the, uh, it, yeah, it's that was our second review episode. Yeah, but I kind of count the Tame Paula one because it was an hour and thirty minutes. On, we got on a lot this, to say. Yeah, the slow rush. Uh, I uh, on Wednesday I stepped on the scale mm-hmm. and I I nearly shit my pants. So I'm drinking Boulevard's Easy Sport. You know. Low carb, nine calories, that sort of thing. So I'm back on keto diet. Fun stuff. I've done that twice, and it is awful. Yeah, it sucks, man. Uh, I, I, I think I just had to get toasted because I woke up with that uh, weird keto breath. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I have a little bit of keto flu with a headache and kind of irritable. But um, Well, yeah. I'm, I'm in a sort of similar boat uh, in that... I drank a lot last night, and I'm still feeling a little hungover. So I am, uh, you know, same boat, a little irritable. Yeah, text my you mouth last night, you're like, tasted you're weird. Like, <laughs> I texted you last night. You're like, I'm mad drunk right now. Yeah. <laughs> what did you drink? Well, what were you drinking? Well, uh, mostly beers, but uh, my fiance just finished her uh, like boards for med school, so we were celebrating a little bit and. I haven't really drank that much during the the quarantine. You know, I have like a mm-hmm. a single beer here and there. Yeah. Um, but it's like we started the night off with shots on empty stomachs. Oh fuck, dude. And then I <laughs> uh, got a left hand mixer pack of their nitro beers, so I had a couple of those. But it just all hit me really hard. I think my tolerance went way down. But I, you know, I wasn't like I wasn't Ralphin or anything. Yeah. It's yeah. just I just kind of feel just like ugh. I could I could sleep the rest of the day. Uh, well, I uh, I don't really drink except on podcasts. I'd be honest. Like mm. like I'll have a beer when I'm out somewhere, or uh, which is not any time since the quarantine. But right, I've I've had a beer here and there, but mostly it's on the podcast when I, I blame Neil of my other podcast <laughs> for me drinking beer, uh, like during while editing, recording because it's something he had to do, and here I am, right. Here. <laughs> uh, so today's theme is every rose has its thorn correct uh, yeah i like to open an interpretation the way i interpret it though is um i picked a, a great record of one kind of shitty song right like right. a song that doesn't fit and i and um or a song that i think is just kind of lame uh, yeah that's that's how i ended up interpreting it as yeah because well. I, I couldn't i, I couldn't I, come up with any any clever ways to spin it. Yeah, I thought you might, but you know, whatever. So, uh, I, uh, I, I decided I, when I wrote this down, this, this theme down and put it in the hat, I had a, a record in mind immediately. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, did you, when I mentioned it? Uh, no, but usually once I get like a theme, like when I decided to do the album with one kind of out of place or bad song, mm-hmm. um, I uh, on normal things 
I will I'll make like a list and there'll end up being like five things I have to like slowly whittle down to decide which one I want to show. This one I found one and it was just like, oh yeah, well this is perfect. I can't I can't even think of a better example than this one. <laughs> I I honestly I honestly think that uh, me and you are, you me and you will see eye to eye on the one uh, you do. But uh, what <laughs> I chose I chose no effects is so long and things for all the shoes. Uh, it's their seventh record. Okay. No, no effects are always if I'm taking top five artists. No effects are always in the top five. I love no effects. They are one of my favorite bands, and I know I'm 34, and I know there are plenty of people that listen to No Effects and stopped when they were 15, but fuck you guys. I fucking love No Effects. <laughs> uh, they started in 1983. They didn't release their first record until, I think, in 1988. So, okay. Yeah, uh, and honestly, the of their 13 records, the first three are unlistenable, in my opinion. Oh, right? why is that? Is uh, it just I, super raw? Or? Uh, well, no, not that. Um, I... Fat Mike, the lead singer uh, and songwriter and bassist, uh, he uh, he sang so flat in those first three records. So flat. And um, some people really like those first three records. I can't get through them. Uh, they're not my favorites. But uh, anything since 1994, <laughs> which is Pump and Drugle, which is like the record record to now, uh-huh. I, I have a nice thing to say about all those records, even though... They, what they've done since 1994 is they've released a good record, then a kind of lame record, then a really good record, then a kind of lame record, then a really good record, and so on and so forth till 2016. Um, <laughs> well, at least they're consistent. Yeah, I mean, but in the, even the kind of lame records, I find some songs that are my favorites out of their catalog, just not the whole record on its whole. But no effects are Fat Mike, uh, Eric Sandin, uh, El Jefe, or Arabete, and uh, Eric Melvin. And they are... Uh, Eric Melvin does guitarist, Fat Mike, singer, bassist. Uh, Smelly, drums, and El Jefe is guitar, lead guitar. And uh, they've been that way since 1992. The same uh, the same lineup. So, uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, if you guys, I don't know, some of you guys hate no effects uh, out there. You guys can go suck a dick. I fucking love no effects. I will always <laughs> defend them. Even when they did that shit back last year when they when they were in Las Vegas. It was like two years ago in Las Vegas. They said that uh, they mentioned the the shooting there that happened. Uh-huh. And they said that was lame, but at least those country fans. Oh, <laughs> and um, and uh, they apologized. What we said in Vegas was shitty and insensitive. We're all embarrassed by our remarks. And then uh, after that, they canceled all their their U.S. tour dates. Um, and now they're back to being what they were. But they're I mean, people are like they're a punk band. They're gonna say you know like incendiary things. And I'm like, I don't know about that, man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I do think that uh, there was just them being kind of immature, but uh, hey, I'm immature yeah. too. Anyway, <laughs> well, yeah, so you listen as... to No Effects. Yeah, God, I loved... you can't yeah. see it, but I'm I'm dabbing on you right now. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, No Effects is uh, so long. Thanks for all the shoes. Uh, I don't want to talk too much about it without getting into it. Okay, but um, but I love No Effects, and um, I've loved them since I was probably 13. And I, I I kind of directly credit them for turning me the turning me atheist. Honestly. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, they had a song called Happy Guy on their um on their record uh Punk and Drublick. And this the song ends with basically the song's about a guy who found faith in God and now he's such a shitty person not such a shitty person. And uh, he's happy and he goes, uh, his beliefs make me false, but his happiness is real. And that was the first time I really heard 
someone I deeply respect say something about, you know, perhaps, you know, beliefs may not be true. So, uh, it was, it was a little, little seed that grew. Um, mm-hmm. now no effects, they, 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 they didn't seem, they are not so easy on Christianity now. Let's say we're in that song. They've, uh, they've changed to actively, uh, hate it, which is, uh, <laughs> which is fine. I mean, I, I sing along with all those, all those words, every single song that they've written. Oh, yeah. Yeah, dude. Uh, in a, yeah, d- no effects, uh, punk band. Probably, I, I, I heard no effects with my love of punk rock also. Like, they, it's gonna sound stupid, but they changed my life. <laughs> I mean, anyway. mine, what, mine, my punk group is probably Dead Kennedys. They really kicked off my, uh, my punk phase. Fresh Fruit for Rotten Vegetables? Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. And that was the first one I heard. Um, God actually, I wouldn't even say it's like a, it was like a, punk phase it's just like oh this is just a part of my life now dude i fucking love uh that record um it's so damn good uh, yeah i think my favorite is plastic surgery disasters yeah that, that cover on there <laughs> yeah uh but uh yeah man dick kenny is uh, uh rest in peace i guess <laughs> that, uh, they, i mean they, they're they're still touring but without Joe biafras who wants to who would go see yeah them, right? but they're not even writing new music either they're just playing their old songs and stuff and it's like when you guys are together do something yeah oh, well. so uh, uh <laughs> so one thanks for all the shoes by no effects is available on spotify honestly i don't know why if you're listening to this program you don't have spotify get the fuck on there man it's <laughs> i mean that's kind of that's kind of our main platform for doing stuff like i'll put together a playlist uh to listen through it that way um so you can listen to the albums along with us um it's the only thing I have access to, so I tend to end up using that one more. But do you have this on vinyl? Not the NoFX album. I know, but these your your record. Do you have it on vinyl? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I do too. And I actually got it in that three hundred dollar NoFX box set that I spent way too much money on. You got my um, album in the three hundred dollar NoFX box set? No, just my <laughs> just the NoFX record in the three hundred dollar box set. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, it's only things for all the shoes on Spotify. And uh, you guys can go on there, and um, it's it's a brisk thirty three minutes. Yeah, it was pretty um, short. Yeah, uh, no, but we'll talk about that. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you guys, ten seconds, and we'll uh, we'll get into no effects and so on. Thanks for all the shoes. So on, thanks for all the shoes on no effects. Now. Uh, this is a. Uh, I wanted to mention that no song on this record is over two minutes and thirty seconds, except for "Eat the Meek." Um, yeah, oh, and if you're if you count the last track. Yeah, but where I don't. three minutes of it is silence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, I love this No Effects record. It is um, it is near perfect in my eyes, but there is a thorn. But we'll get okay. to that song. Um, but uh, but what did you think of this as a whole? Uh, it was, it was pretty good. Um, it's not, not really the kind of punk I normally listen to, but I've, I mean, I've barely delved into no effects as it is. I listened to punk and Drublik once or twice. Um, but I haven't really explored too much cause they're kind of, I don't, they're not like pop punk, but they're kind of more on the, they're a little bit more like melodic about yeah. some of the stuff that they do. Um, mm-hmm more more hooks more stuff like that so i never i never got super into them 
Um, Strangely enough, the most the most popular song on Noem has no hook. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it it I love sitting down and listening to punk punk records. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I I guess we can just sort of we can sort of delve into it track by track and then give a general overview. Um, yeah. First well, off, let me. How do we want to do it? When do you want me to try to figure out what what the thorn is on here? Because I've kind of narrowed it? I've narrowed it down to three. Okay. Uh, at the end, how about that? No, okay. well, no, fuck it. No, let's do it right now. What do you okay. think the thorn on No Effects is? So on these twelve shoes. Oh, trying to figure out how you would have interpreted it. I let me add, play a little twenty questions here, and by mm-hmm. twenty I mean let me play one question. Is it based on the music or is it based on the lyrics? Lyrics. Okay, then I'm gonna say it's either all out of angst or kill rock stars. Neither one. Really? Yeah. Well, my, the, the, my, okay. My the song I don't like on this record is all the suits are torn. Uh, where is that one? In my notes. I know I listened to it. <laughs> it's about a oh, guy. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Oh yeah, I thought he was saying Billy Corgan. I don't know who Billy. <laughs> I don't know Billy who Billy Cobb and yeah. Yeah, so uh, I don't like that song. I think the lyrics are shitty. I think mm-hmm. it's kind of. I, I I there's I gotta be honest. There's no real reason I hate the song. I just hate it. I I, I anytime it comes on the uh, random, I skip it, and that's the only song I don't like on this record. What is it specifically about the lyrics on it? <sighs> Man, let me pull it up. Yeah, so, who's Billy? I, who's Billy Coben? Billy Coben is no one. That, that's the point, I guess, of the song. Uh, I I don't know. Like to me, um, to to me, I I don't think they give us a. You know, it's like why should we care for him? Uh, that question is never answered, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. For one, um, it, it's I don't know, man. I, I just feel like the 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 other lyrics in this record are way better than the ones in this song. Um, I, I know, and I guess it's the only sort of. I guess the only time in this record that he's trying to be not, because me this whole all oh, the whole record is a lot of fun to me, uh-huh. uh, but this song is not fun to me, and I just feel I think it feels out of place, and it's definitely not my no effects, not my favorite no effects song by a long shot, and just this song to me is the only thorn on this record to me. Interesting. Okay, because I had what was so, what was your th- thorn if you had to guess? Um, I mean mine there they were kind of kind of three that like i thought it could be and which mm-hmm. would have been either all out of angst kill rock stars or eat the meek mm-hmm. um eat the meek mostly just because it like it slowed things way down and it's the longest song on the album and it's like i don't know i know sometimes you need like a little bit of uh breathing room on an album um but it's just kind of like okay it's a song over yet <laughs> oh okay i but that, I, that I, was I, it i love and then all it also those kept, songs it also kept crashing my my Spotify when I was listening to it. <laughs> okay. Um, do you just want to go for uh, go for um, song by song now? Yeah, and then we can kind of get into more of the lyrics on those other two. Yeah. So uh, it starts out with "It's my job to keep punk rock elite." Uh, easily yeah. a great uh, great opening track. Um, and yeah, it, it was you know it was a strong one. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. It's a it's punk as fuck, really. That that song, it, it, it's it basically just says you know uh, he, he does punk rock for himself, not for you know uh, the labels or mainstream. He just says for himself, and uh, you can go fuck yourself. Basically, it's yeah, it's, exactly. Uh, and it, you know, I I always thought it was cool because uh, growing up in punk rock, you're like 
People are like punk rocks for everyone, and this this song says no, it's fucking not. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I'm elite here. You know, like like you know. So uh, I I I love this song. I love this record, uh, and this song is sort of to me that no effects. You know, they they rarely do interviews. They don't put their song. They push their songs on the radio. They do not make a music video, and that's what this song basically is about. We're doing shit our own way, right? And it's yeah, I I liked it. It was uh, you know just keep keep punk DIY and not corporate, Mm -hmm. Um, which yeah, because it's it seems so I guess like hypocritical to to you know sing sing about taking down the man and all and capitalism and all that stuff and then like (laughs) but I mean Hot Topic can sell my shirts. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was one line on this one that I thought it wasn't like particularly funny or anything, but like the delivery on it made me laugh. And it's when, you know, I'm not your fucking scapegoat, apparently something, something, something. Um, but he's like, I'm not your fucking scapegoat, apparently. Yeah. Like, yeah. He, he, he does a few things in this record where he pronounces things differently, but I think it's, it's not because he doesn't know how to pronounce things. I think it's because he thinks it sounds better. Uh, and we'll oh yeah, that. probably. Yeah. But uh, I'm not your fucking scape. Good, apparently have alienated some, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, to me, the, this song is the thesis of this record, and I love it so much. Yeah, kind um, of a thesis of the band. Do you think that they've stuck with this? What would be? You think they've continued to keep punk rock elite and not corporatize? And yeah, I mean, they've released. Uh, they own all their own music, almost all their oh, own nice. music, um, and that's that's DIY. Uh, I mean, they make more money that way, but I mean that they they I don't I don't the, the, when I think about flawed musicians, I think Fat Mike is one of the most flawed of them all. But I do think that that he does care about no effects, and I think he's mostly kept it kept it that way. The only mm-hmm. time I think he ever where he ever pimped out his music, I think was during the 2004 election when he was trying to get Bush out of office. And oh yeah, he re, and he regrets that. Every day, he says that the worst choice he ever made was support the Democratic Party in 2004 election. <laughs> and I, and so that's uh, I think that's that's what it is. And you know, they don't. I, they're they're huge as fuck to me. Like like I don't think they ever have to worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> but their next song, "Kids of the K Hole." Yeah. Uh, this song is about ketamine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I, I've never done ketamine. I talked to my brother who has done ketamine or has done lots of drugs. Um, and he says it's... You want it's you spilling a, all that? Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't care. Um, <laughs> I mean, because right now he doesn't... He does... He's he, That was when he was a kid, you know? I think the last time he did ketamine, he was maybe 21 or 22, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, the last time he's done any sort of hard drug, it was ba- back in the day. Um, so, but I've asked Matt what ketamine was like, and he's like, it's kind of like this, so um, <laughs> so th- is it like a no effects song? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> kind of. Yeah, kind of. So, uh, <laughs> I, the, there's plenty of no effects songs about drugs. There's a song called "Drugs Are Good," uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, and, um, uh, but uh, that and we'll get to talk about that just for a second at the end. But so, um, what did you think of "Kids of the K Hole"? Uh, I really like the music in it, um, where it's got this kind of like it stops and starts, and then every time it stops, you get the little like bass deedlies and all that stuff. 
Like I, it um, was, it was a fun one to listen to. The lyrics were pretty good. Yeah, it's just it's and it, they use things like uh, somewhere between Orden, Eden and North Utopia, somewhere beneath the astral pane. I take a resist in the Cypriotic soil. Uh, yeah, it's just. Yeah, it sounds like it sounds like he must have been hanging out with uh, the bad religion dudes because he's throwing in some big words in there. <laughs> Mrs. Kitty Ketamine. In <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, no effects, a lot of people think they're stupid, but I think they're incredibly smart. Uh, the lyrics on some of these, on the especially older records and especially newer records, I think that that Mike, for one guy, he's he's very clever. His oh yeah, very clever. And then we get to the obviously most punk song on the record, um, called "Murder the Government." Um, yeah, and its and, its message is very clear. Yeah, uh, you know, murder the government, murder. I want to see the uh, Constitution burn. Want to uh, watch the White House overturn. Want to witness some blue blood bleed red. Yeah. <laughs> and then what was which, set the set the KKK on fire. I want to tar and the KK and want KKK and want to pull and shoot the NRA. And in here it has a lyric that's not in it. <laughs> it says in the on Genius says I want to pay the lobbies to kill themselves. But in the weird book it's just uh, when you hear it, it's just yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> but it's a murder of the government and um uh I I love this song. It's they had good. a version they had a version on this uh, this record on the a a seven inch or a ten, a ten inch they put out called "Fuck the Kids," uh-huh. <laughs> and that's what they actually say. I want to pay the lobbyists to kill themselves, but uh, this this one is the uh, polished studio version, and it's a great song. It's like forty five seconds. Yeah, it was super short. Like I didn't even have a chance to finish writing my notes before the next song started. Yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. like that's I like that. I like uh, short, short and sweet punk songs well punk songs are, are supposed to be short and sweet and to the point you know well like, somebody me, should maybe tell the dead kennedys that but i know <laughs> i i love uh, their longer ones but they're they definitely have some you're like dude this thing's like nine minutes long <laughs> <laughs> oh we get the long songs in just a little bit yeah um, <laughs> yeah i guess I'm, i don't really have any place to talk <laughs> <laughs> so then we get to another really short song uh-huh. Lobby girl yeah, which this song reminded me a lot of uh, the Vandals. Yeah, I get that. It's this funny song. It's about a girl who dates who only says one syllable words, mm-hmm. like one and pearl and huh, which is not yeah. really a word. <laughs> she says dark and shark, but uh, he wrote a song on the newest one called "Bye Bye 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 Girl," which is people thought was a sequel to "Monsterlabic Girl." It's not, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but uh. I, it's a really short, funny, kind of clever, kind of stupid song. It's silly. Yeah, it, but it's fun. I liked it. Yeah, it, it was kind of it was funny coming after, like murder the government. <laughs> you've got it, uh, some very strong, strong lyrics, and then this one is like, ah, oh, this this girl just doesn't talk very much. After after the 2016 election, I murder the government was my fucking anthem. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, yeah, fuck that do shit. It. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. And then we get to 180 Degrees, which uh, is probably, it was either this or Billy, or uh, all those suits are torn that made me, uh, that made me think this is not perfect. But I've come oh, to, really? I've, grown, I've grown to like 180 Degrees. It's, it's the first song in here that has a little ska in it, you know? Yeah, it's the first hint of it, and there's like three or four songs total on here that kind of hit that, no that ska vibe. And that's that's not that's not uh, weird for effects. They have plenty of other songs that are either reggae or ska. 
Um, Interesting. Yeah. Um, but uh, the thing is, is that, um, so Fat Mike used to be a vegetarian, uh-huh. right? And this song is about him sort of changing his views um, on vegetarian. Um, so, so he's, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's sort of like becoming less, less shitty about it, I guess. Right. <laughs> um, uh, but, uh. Why was it, did he like used to be like super, super like vigilant about it and. Well, I, I think. Well, I'm sorry. He still is a vegetarian. Uh huh. At, after releasing a record that was making fun of vegetarians, but it, I, I, that's one. Th- I think it's one of the things is he doesn't really care about anymore. Like, care he cares more about social issues rather than this thing that the, go out and eat a burger. You know what I mean? Right. So, uh, I don't. I don't know. This song's a. It's simp- It's a fun song, and it's. It's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Then we get to uh, all the suits are torn. Yeah, the thorn. All the, the suits thorn. are thorn. What did you think of this song? Uh, I, I mean, I can definitely see how it would have been a uh, the thorn on it. I thought it was kind of. I mean, it's kind of forgettable. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't really remember it. One of the only notes I took was I thought he said Billy Corgan. <laughs> did he, he kind of lose it all though? <laughs> right? Yeah. Did he lose it all? <laughs> um. Yeah. No, I think I can. I think I can agree with your uh, thorn descriptor on this one. Yeah, it's, it, it, I have a friend who, or I had a friend who said that in serious song on the record. All he's like, really, like really, dude. It was like you saying you didn't like The Last of Us. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> by the way, I got part two, and it's fucking great. Uh, yeah, but, I'm sure, um, sure it's more of the same. Yeah, all right, man. <laughs> uh, it, it's got definitely that. It's a bit. I I was uh, worried there'd be a. The, I thought it was worried that the gameplay would be the same, but the story would be kind of lame. The story's fucking amazing. Um, it made me cry already. So damn. Go ahead, go ahead and do that. Make then you we cry? get to yeah, yeah you're gonna make <laughs> me cry, but yeah, go ahead and make me cry, pal. So after um, how is this torn? Uh, no effects redeem this with all out of, of angst a Scott song. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you like this song. I don't know if I, you thought it. Would... I liked the the music. Um. But it was they have like that one that one part is just like kind of like weirdly Islamophobic. Oh, okay. So this was in 1997. So here's, right. what, here's <laughs> what this line says: So I'm off to Pakistan, learn the laws of Islam, fundamentalism, forget that rock and roll, no cigarette, no drink. In fact, it's difficult to think about getting laid when you don't even get to see your face, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which uh, it's uh, there are definitely more Islamophobic songs out there. Oh yeah, um, and uh, and it, and he's right. Uh, uh, generally, hardcore Muslims in Pakistan don't drink. Uh, they don't just drink cigarettes, and they do not fuck. But um, but uh, it is it is a little um. There are a few little uh dated parts in this record. And we'll yeah, get to that in a little bit. There's there's definitely one uh later uh yeah. But I think yeah. like the lyrics in that one were definitely like. Oh boy! All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So all I'd still like all the inks. It's a fun upbeat song, and uh, but I don't think he'd write this song today, especially with how upset he is about the what's right. going on. But it's a ska song. Yeah, it was a good ska song. Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm generally kind of on the fence with ska. Um, I prefer it when it's more more punk like, which is why I like the ones on here. Um, mm-hmm. Big fan of like leftover crack. And oh yeah, yeah. Things like and bands like that that it's they got more of like a punk vibe to it because I mm-hmm. 
regular ass ska just sounds so cheesy to me. Uh, it sounds like commercial music for like '90s Nickelodeon stuff. Like I like that stuff, but something about it just sounds like super cheesy and just like I don't know. So yesterday when I was driving, I um I uh, a real big real big fish song by uh, called She's Famous now came on, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's the it's the my brother heard it. And he's like the lamest song ever. Uh, but two two listens later, you're singing along with it. Cause, uh, uh, but anyway, I, it's in, I, I'm not. It's infectious. Not, yeah, like <laughs> I don't. I never, that. I never seek out listening to ska. But like when it's on, I'm always like, I'm yeah, I'm having fun. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, then we get down telling Tim. Also originally released in uh, "Fuck the Kids," but different lyrics. Um, but <laughs> this song is about Tim Yohannan, the late uh, founder. Of Maximum Rock and Roll, a fanzine in his radio show that was uh, super important when it came to uh, fostering the punk scene in the eighties and early in the nineties. Um, mm-hmm. They released a uh, a book called "Book Your Own Fucking Life," which was uh, at the time when before the internet, which we don't need anymore. Before the internet, it was hard to find places that would host punk shows, and so "Book Your Own Fucking Life" was a a zine that would come out every couple. Uh, I think a couple times a year, so bands could book shows across the country. Oh, that's um, cool. But Tim was also saying that all records should be put out DIY, right? You shouldn't right. give any major label support. And uh, Fat Mike was friends with Tim Yo or Tim Yohannan. Uh, so there are lines in here that says you won't play again at ABC. ABC is a venue in New York called ABC No Rio, which is a punk squat where where uh where punk bands could play right right and uh when they say ostracized like lawrence uh they're talking about the lead the head guy at lookout records uh lawrence all the lookout records put out operation ivy's first record okay right? um the original version mentions gilman street which is uh where Opera ivy used to play right and uh joe biafra because joe biafra i forget the whole thing but he uh teamed up with some uh, major label guys and then uh, when they went to Gilman Street, he got the shit kicked out of him. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, that he changed it for this one. Uh, I guess to not because I mean, who wants to talk shit about Jelly Biafra? <laughs> right. But um, yeah. So the t- I'm telling Tim is about Tim Yohannan, Tim Yo of yeah. Maximum Rock and Roll. Uh, I'm I'm a little too old to know what Maximum Rock Rock and Roll. Is, or I'm a little too young to be. Uh, know what maximum rock and roll meant to people but no effects been doing this almost 40 years so yeah <laughs> yeah no i i didn't really know any of the backstory stuff but i i mean i kind of picked up on what he was saying but this is a it's a good song too yeah i tell him it's a punk song i mean yeah like a lot of about songs being a tattletale <laughs> yeah if you fuck up and tell him uh and then we get to the champs Elysees, which Okay, so it's a French song. It's a cover song, and I forget by who. It's a cover song by by Joe Dance. Joe Dance Dassin. Now, uh, no, uh, Fat Mike has this thing where he likes to cover songs every now and then. Uh, uh-huh. No Fix is a cover of Vincent by uh, what by the Vincent American Guy guy who by by Vincent American Pie. Who sings that? Jeez, I don't know. <laughs> okay, well, he did a song called Vincent by Vincent Van Gogh, and the, the, he has a few other songs uh, out there where he covers songs. And so he did a he's in a band called Me First and the Gimme Gimmies, where they basically mm-hmm. cover songs but put a punk spin on this. 
and this is the same thing. Uh, it's it's a fun song. It's a punk song. It's in French. Yeah, I liked it, and his his French actually sounded pretty good. Yeah, and I was singing along with it. I mean, I, even though I'm mostly just doing gibberish because I don't know the correct pronunciation of everything. Even right. though I took three, I took three years of French in high school, I don't remember a damn thing except say how to say my name. Yeah, I took I took like four years of French in high school. How much do you remember? Uh, well, I'm getting my Spanish degree. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> None of it. Je m'appelle Christophe. Uh, well, but it's a punk version of that song, and it's and uh, uh, throughout this whole record, I think Fat Mike is really uh, wagging his dick out when it comes to uh, how good he is at bass. Because all the bass lines in here are intricate, and he's singing with while doing it. So yeah, and in another language. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, then we get to one of my probably favorite songs on the record, mm-hmm. uh, "Dad's Bad News." Yeah, this was a this is a cool one. The lyrics in it were pretty interesting. He says uh, psycho tick instead of psychotic. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, this You think he actually knew how to pronounce it? Or oh, yeah, just... I know he does. I know he does. I think, <laughs> I think, I think it just sounds better. I, 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 tried saying, I tried saying singing psychotic with it, and it doesn't work. <laughs> I've tried pronouncing it the correct way, and it doesn't work for me. Um, he's a psychotic. Uh, but um, but uh, this song is basically about, you know, if you... Uh, People who have depression, it also runs in the family. And this song is about, you know, um, if you're going to, you have to, it's a, you have to watch yourself, basically. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then my favorite part is the bridge, no simple way to tell you, son, which is the same red tin. But it sort of brings the song together. Without that, it'd be kind of a shitty song. The bridge sort of ties it together to me. Yeah, um, elevates it for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's a great song. That, uh, that song still gives me goosebumps when I, when I listen to it. Oh, nice. Yeah. Now we get kind of an icky song. Yeah, this was this one was honestly probably my my thorn on this one. Uh, just it was it's so weird. Like, so, well, I do have a story behind this song. I, I I did look up the story. Okay. Or at least part of, at least for one of the lines in the song. So there's also Kill the Rockstars. Kill the Rockstars is a uh, a punk or a label to indie music by Kathleen Hanna of Bikini Kill. I have uh, a their original sampler on vinyl. Oh yeah, nice. It's got some good stuff. Uh, it's got like early Nirvana stuff. It has a Melvin song on there. Some so I don't, I don't know exactly what No Effects has against uh, Kathleen Hanna. I do think that she had called them misogynists before. So this is sort of like a a, a, a response song. But they're basically <laughs> it's the worst response. Yeah. So so the it wouldn't be so bad. If you didn't say just because that's another reason you're so pissed, that part, um, it wouldn't be such a a uh, icky song, but it's still pretty bad. <laughs> oh, I think the part about uh, where he he mentions uh, Courtney Love because that part has a story behind it where yeah. I guess she pissed off Courtney Love at some thing and then Courtney Love beat the shit out of her. Well, smacked so her across he, the face. Yeah. yeah. Well, either way, he's like, I wish I was there to watch you get your ass kicked, basically. Watch you get slapped. She said, she did say a pretty shitty thing about Courtney Love and her daughter, uh, her unborn daughter, um, saying that Francis was in the back getting fed an IV. And I, well, they uh, but, were doing heroin around their children. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is it? Is uh, it? I don't know. Is it a shitty thing to say? But <laughs> call but, someone but, out on that. But uh, Kathleen Hanna is not a rad femme. Uh, there are a lot of turfs out there, which means trans exclusionary rad femmes. And I'm mm-hmm. sorry if you listen to the show, but you guys are awful people. 
Yeah, um, fuck you. But, fuck uh, J.K. Rowling. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for real, right? Wait, did you say she, she was a turf? She, uh, she said she's not, but I know she is. She acts like she isn't. Kathleen Hanna? Oh, no, Kathleen Hanna, I don't know if she's a turf at all. I don't think she is. I, I, I just don't so. see that. I don't think that, I don't see that being a uh, that being a thing. But he uh, he does mention all this alternative slash Republican, which uh, a lot of right girl fans, and I'm not saying all, but uh, when it comes to Kathleen Hanna, early on, back in 1997, she Definitely was a uh, angry person. So, mm-hmm. uh, but you know now she's married to uh, one of the dudes from Beastie Boys. Yeah, so. <laughs> but it's a, it, it's kind of an icky song, but uh, it's still a good song musically. Um, yeah, but yeah, this one this one kind of made me feel feel a little icky. It's just it's weird, and maybe it's part of it is like coded and like nowadays where it's like he's kind of saying a lot of things that like you know men's rights activists or men go their own way or red pill dudes say and it's just kind of yeah, like but i don't I, this was before that I think. it was which but, is maybe that's why i was feeling icky listening to it is because like the stuff he's saying is being said today but he does say things like context. he does so he does say that he thinks the goal is mutual respect you know and yeah. it was MR, and so like he didn't fix it but uh just i want to find a way to, to make the song okay and i just can't yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's definitely i mean it's it's kind of icky but it's definitely i've heard worse things on but on newer songs by artists i generally like mm-hmm. um man i told i, I remember i sent you that song jail by motorhead oh my god like, oh, oh my god dude what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> so i had forgotten the, about that song then we get to eat the meek which is a reggae song um, yeah. I really like Ethan Meek. I, I get the feeling you didn't. It's not so much that I didn't like it. It just felt a little out of place. It's when an album's kind of been coming at you fast and fast for, you know, 20 minutes at this point, And then all of a sudden is, you know, the longest song on the album is also the slowest song on the album without a whole lot of variety or changes in it. It kind of just, it made the song seem like twice as long. Okay. Well, uh, I love this song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and then on uh, on uh, one of their uh, compilation records, they have a dub mix of this song. Oh, so I'd listen to that. Yeah, and it's... um Big it's, fan it's of this, dub. I don't really like yeah, reggae that much, but I love dub. Yeah, dub, yeah, man, I, I, you know, I think I should like reggae, but I don't, man. <laughs> dub, I just can't dub, get into it. Dub is awesome. Yeah, um, I do like all the things that, like... Uh, reggae inspired or that grew from reggae so I think like I said I like dub I love I love parts of ska you know two-tone all that stuff yeah and the, this song I, I I really don't it didn't really have a I mean they they, they talk it's, uh, they, it's like they're talking about drugs but the no effects are the biggest drug band I know of that talk really? about drugs <laughs> openly uh, but the, I mean it's a good song and uh, it's I guess it's just talking about disconnecting if yeah. you disconnect this what happens uh and then we move on to the desperation's gone yeah what, back into and, straightforward and, punk and they, and they and they reference um they reference uh uh, uh bad religion when they say forbidden beat um oh really yeah the same forbidden beat but so this song's about basically was turning on the radio or turning on mainstream media and sing songs that you know are, are punk inspired but they just don't have that they don't have the desperate. They don't have the desperation. They don't have the feeling that punk should have, right? Yeah. In his eye, um, 
So, like, uh, it sounds the same and the parts are there, but it's missing some, like, component of, like, the soul of the music. Yeah, and I, I totally get that. I mean, you hear it all the time, you know? Yeah. Uh, and K-Go, he's talking about K-Rock, by the way. He says, turn the knob, K-Go. He's talking about K-Rock uh, in L.A. Where uh, Rodney on the Rock was uh, a guy who uh, would play songs late at night by bands, by punk bands. Uh-huh. I don't know if... And there's a pretty interesting um, documentary about... Rodney called um the king uh, the mayor of New York Strip or the mayor of Hollywood something, and it's about Rodney uh K Rock. But yeah, it talks about the music being not as good as it used to be, which is kind of an old guy thing to say, but I can't disagree <laughs> with them. You know? <laughs> I don't know. There's still good music coming out. We on the we, radio. There was oh I don't know. I haven't listened to the radio. <laughs> it, I wouldn't say it was good when stuff was on the radio either. At least not when I was listening to the radio when I was younger. Because it's the same shit. (laughs) I'm still hearing songs that I heard from when I was in like elementary school on the radio, and it's like there's no new music coming out. Mr. Brightside still comes out. I was 2002, maybe. Mr. Uh Brightside, and I hear this shit all the time. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's probably the most famous song by them. About on uh, like your dad knows Mr. Brightside. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. then we go to the only instrumental track, Flossing a Dead Horse. Yeah. Not which, a Dead Horse, but Flossing a Dead Horse. Yeah. <laughs> which um, I thought this one had the potential to be your thorn, but I, I was like, I don't know. This song's really fun. Yeah, it's a cute song. And interesting. Like, <laughs> it does stand out because it's the only instrumental track, but it's like, no, I wouldn't even consider this a thorn. It's got to be something else. Yeah. Yeah, it's a fun song. I like Flossing a Dead Horse. Yeah. Um, it's instrumental. It's got, it's got uh, trombone in it. It's all good. Um, I would recommend, yeah. And then, uh, a court in session about someone who finds he quit alcohol and that has no fun in it, anyway, doing anything, uh, when it comes to court in session. Uh, there is, the beginning of this song, there is a single thump of the bass drum. Uh-huh. And I, and I, I don't know why, but I love that single thump <laughs> at the beginning of the, in the intro of the song. But, um, th- this is not autobiographical. That Mike is far from sober. Um, oh yeah, was he sober at this time though? No, but but their drummer has always been. It's been sober since 1994. He uh-huh. credits it with saving his life. In fact, when they travel, uh, Eric the drummer has a separate tour bus because he can't be around the stuff they do. Oh really? So when Fat Mike's not on tour and he has his kid, he doesn't do drugs or drink. But when he doesn't tour, he goes fucking buck wild. Jeez. And uh, he has gone to rehab once because he. He got out of tour and he couldn't stop taking pain pills. And so he went to rehab because he couldn't stop taking those pills. And now he doesn't take those pills anymore. But when he's on a tour, he still goes fucking buck wild. <laughs> and uh, he addresses it in songs, but, you know, that's that's him. Right. But uh, Court Session is about a guy who quit drinking and now nothing seems fun to him anymore. Yeah, it's yeah. a pretty interesting take on it. And it's, it's definitely... It's not, it's not saying, a lot of people say, you know, uh, quitting drinking saved my life, but we, I'm sure the people out there that are saying, my life kind of sucks now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but then we move on to Falling in Love, <laughs> which is a funny name for the song. I thought it was fucking hilarious, by the way. Yeah, but I was I, like, I was, I was like, oh, you know, it's a punk rock love song, aw, except everyone is dying in a plane crash. Yeah, Aww. yeah. 
The blast oxygen mask will fill cabin. He didn't say cabin. He says cabin. <laughs> Depressurized. But uh, this is this for a long time was my favorite song on the record. It's a good one. Yeah, and it has that interlude in the middle with the uh, octaves doing a great melody line that still gives me goosebumps. <laughs> but uh, I've, and then did you listen to the uh, the very end of this? Yeah, the little hidden thing. I love that. Who who is so, it? Howard Stern. Okay, that's what so I so someone picked uh, for Howard Stern's intro in 1996 or seven. Drugs are good by No Effects. Uh-huh. And in fact, you can hear me as you turn it down. It says "fuck off," <laughs> right? Like, and it goes to a punk song. But Howard Stern is out of the song's not rocking. <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't rock. Uh, and um, and they they go, he goes, "Who is that?" They say, "No effects." Like, no effects, huh? No talent. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I I don't think I could be more thrilled if I heard Howard Stern talk shit about me on the radio. Yeah, exactly. I, I would be so happy. <laughs> that would make my day. So um, this whole record uh, and your idea of a punk record, how's it how's it fit in your pantheon? Uh, it's pretty good. I mean, I I want to keep exploring no effects. I've yet to hear any like no effects thing that I'm just like, okay, fuck it, I don't like no effects. This is bad. So I, 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 I have some I have some um news for you. What? They'll probably show up again in the course of us doing the show. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean I definitely like it. I enjoy what I listen to. Um. I I seem to think remember liking Punk and Drublick more. That is their classic record. Like when people right. say no effects, they're gonna say Punk and Drublick. Uh but since no effects are my favorite band, they're like a medicine cabinet. There's different favorite things, you know, throughout the whole thing. So I don't have a it's hard for me to pick a favorite one. There are right. ones I can say I don't like as the other ones, but out of the ones I love, this is up there. Nice. Yeah, I'll I'm definitely down to listen to more for sure. Okay. Do you want to uh, talk about your record? Nah, I think we're done. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, so uh, my... There it is. Uh, every Every Rose Has Its Thorn album is going to be In the Court of the Crimson King by King Crimson. And you love to challenge me, pal. You definitely you love to challenge me. was challenging? Uh, one song challenging and well i think we and seeing by the name you've chosen on this program i think it's the same song that i chose so so uh when we get into the album i'll tell you i i got really concerned because i was doing research while i was listening to it um and okay well i mean we'll just say it no fine we won't say it well when we will when we get into it okay okay so, let me give you a five tracks only by the way yeah five tracks <laughs> so King Crimson, they were formed in 1968, and the main main dude is Robert Fripp. He's the guitar player. Uh, he basically works on the music part of it, and they've just had a ton of lineup changes across 13 studio albums. Um, they Their first two albums had the same crew, and then, then from there, it was like people just kind of shuffled in and out, in and out um, for... The few after that, there was one called like Lizard and Islands, um, and their their music all kind of changes throughout it as well. Um, then they kind of got locked into a second set of like members mm. or three albums where you had Lark's Tongue and Aspic, um, Starless and Bible Black, and Red, and that they kind of took on like kind of like a heavier 
more angular. Like a lot of people credit those with being like metal albums. And do you do you agree with that? Oh yeah, they they definitely okay. have elements in there. Um, you'll we'll probably end up listening to Red at some point. Oh, dude, I I, I I'm way ahead of you. I plan to listen to Red tomorrow. Nice. Uh, because I liked most of this record. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, uh, Red Red is my favorite King Crimson album. Okay. Uh, I, think, I think you'll be surprised how different it is than this. Um, uh, I, th- I I had a different idea. I thought you were cute with them with the uh, with your thought on this. So I thought you're I, I thought you were gonna talk about the um, kind of shitty recording quality on some songs. Oh, I I don't think I really have any of those because generally with a lot of the stuff I have, it's like everything is pretty consistent across the album. Like I couldn't mm-hmm. think of like, Oh, this song specifically sounds like shit because uh, if one song sounds like shit, most of them probably do. I mean, honest, man, I, I think the most impressive thing about this record is the drumming. The drumming is ridiculous on it. Yeah. It's fucking amazing. Yeah. Um, and, uh, they, they have that in the late sixties, they had a really unique drumming drum recording technique that I love. Um, I love the sound of late sixties drums on rock records. Uh-huh. Um, and the re- the way I first noticed how much I, I love how it sounds is uh, there's just song by Bob Dylan called "Visitor Johanna," and I love the drums in that song. And a lot of the drums on that song sound like the drums on here. Yeah. And so I was, I was uh, I was just getting it. I was like, oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I was I was having I was having a blast listening through this guy today. Um, so this one was released in 1969 mm-hmm. um, with their first uh, version of the group, which is Robert Fripp, Michael Giles, Greg Lake, who later went on to form Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, uh, Ian McDonald. And then this is pretty consistent across King Crimson. Should, is should we give the listeners a chance to listen to this real quick? Uh, we will once I'm done. Once okay. we once we start getting into the songs, okay. Go um, and then they they have a separate person who's like not really doing anything in the band except writing lyrics. So they have like a separate lyricist, which I think is oh, yeah, really yeah. interesting. I did read about that. The, the guy have like a the guy's not even singing it. He's just delivering lyrics to the band. <laughs> yeah, which is really cool. It's kind of kind of interesting to hear someone outside of the band. Um, coming up with something that like they didn't really have a part in i've heard slipknot have done that from time to time who slipknot oh i've never listened to them uh, neither have i neither <laughs> beyond a couple of songs i had a good girlfriend in high school who was really into slipknot and then she learned about afi and she quit all that shit <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like i was like okay uh but yeah but um <laughs> Is alexa talking to you like oh fuck my phone just started talking to me it does that, dude. Every now and then, every now and then, it will just say something, and I'm like, I'm like, yeah. And it's like I love searching it for Slipknot. Um, it, it's Amazon breaking into your house. I know. <laughs> cool, so, but yes, I do think we should get into this album. We will give everybody, we'll give you like a 10 second break where you can switch off from the podcast, turn on the record, um, and listen to it. Or if you're familiar with it, just wait the 10 seconds, and we'll talk about it. Um, it's King Crimson's in the court of the Crimson King. All right, man. All right. Um, yeah, King Crimson. <laughs> court of the Crimson uh, King. Yeah, and uh, by the way, I want to mention that 
Stephen King is a big fan of King Crimson. In uh, the Dark Tower series, one of the main uh, antagonists is the Crimson King. Nice. He's also, uh, King Crimson is also a character in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we'll, we'll go ahead and start this off with what you think the thorn is. You have a one in five chance of guessing it. It's Moonchild, right? Yeah, 100%. This, we'll get to why Moonchild is something else, but, but Moonchild is the song in here that I was like, I was like, they're like, free form. And I'm like, of oh, shit. Like, like, like um, <laughs> it, I, to me, like, I don't even, and even the name of it, I fucking hate. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> it's so late 60s. It's, yeah. But, so- I, I, the thing, the thing I was worried about that I didn't, after I had sent you what it was and mm-hmm. sent you a link to the album, I didn't know. So I think they also realize like how much of a fucking pain in the ass this song is. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the remastered version since like I want to say like two thousand six, they've mm-hmm. cut the song down by three minutes. Thank Christ. But the version we listened to was the full version, and that's what I was worried about because it was like. If they cut it shorter, it won't be as torturous. I want to make sure he gets the full experience. So, <laughs> the version on Spotify is the the correct version with the the three extra minutes. It's really like nine next nine minutes of a uh, of nothing. <laughs> yeah, nothing. It's it. They like, they say improvise, and I'm thinking, okay, there's gonna be some sort of thread to follow, but no, man, it's just them dicking around. Honestly, yeah, because I've I listen to a lot of improvised music and yeah. none of it is this boring because it doesn't even seem like they're playing off of each other. Yeah, barely playing anything when they do play. Like the drummer's just kind of he'll hit the ride a bit. so often. Uh, at one point, and I think probably around the nine minute mark, it does the guitar starts to play something like kind of cool, and then is like, okay, I'm done with that. And yeah. he's like, no, wait, come back. <laughs> okay, we'll we'll talk more about Moonchild later on. Although so we- let's start out. We'll start with the first song. Pretty, uh, pretty strong song. It's my yeah. second favorite song on the record. I can't believe they sampled the Kanye song right off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> this song's called "21st Century Schizoid Man." It's a. It's got. It's got horns. It's got flute, and it's got all the uh, the rock instrumentation you'd like. At the time, I'm sure they're groundbreaking. Oh yeah, <laughs> this, song, this song whips ass. I mean, this whole album is super influential in like the progressive rock. Oh that, yeah! Like after this album, bands like at least according to Wikipedia, yes, <laughs> and Genesis started changing what they were doing a little bit, getting a little more out there with it, getting more progressive with it. Well, this song's basically, if you were to talk about it, it's like it's about about the Vietnam War, which is still going on in 1969. Yeah, uh, words like po- politicians' funeral pyre, innocence raped with napalm fire. 21st history schizoid man. Yeah, it's the lyric. A lot of the lyrics on this album are pretty dark. A lot of them are kind of dealing with stuff that's happening at the time because, you know, you had the war, you had civil rights, you had a lot of stuff like that where I think the lyricist is definitely kind of dealing with them through his lyrics. Um, but this song has just awesome instrumental passages it's 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 a chock full of noise yeah. I mean, not noise but but music um 
I love the little vocal filter. I really do. I love the distorted vocals. Yeah, it sounds I, like uh, the voice is coming through on like a radio yeah. or something like that. I like the extended jam in the middle. What's it oh, called? So good. Yeah, and I also like the muted jam in about five minutes where they're doing the same sort of thing, but it's muted. And I, I like the build up to the basically the cacophony. Cacophony. Cacophony, thank you. Of horns, <laughs> drums, and flute at the end, you know? Oh, yeah. Y- yeah. Which. I love that at the end, like it all, it all just builds up and it builds up and it almost gets overwhelming. And then it just goes right into, I talk to the wind and it's like, whoa, total whiplash. Cause that song is super pretty. It's my third favorite song on the record. I mean, <laughs> every song on this album is in my top five of this album. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I thought the wind it's, um, it's pretty, it sounds quite a bit like hippie music. Um, <laughs> like what music? Hippie music. Like, Hippie. Sort of like, I thought you said vaping music, and I was like, what the fuck is vaping music? Next time you cover, I'll show you, bro. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, this I thought the wind... little big clouds of cotton, too. So I do like the drum sound in this record. Uh, this song in particular oh, has yeah. a great drum sound. It's got a flute solo. Made you think of Ron Burgundy's jazz flute <laughs> and, um, and Anchorman. Uh, so but it's, I'm glad you were it's a nice soft song. Yeah, song. I'm glad you were listening to the drums throughout this thing because the drums, like when you're paying attention to them, especially in this song, because initially you you you're listening more to like what the horns are doing. You've got these really pretty like bass and guitar like harmonics happening, but the drums are like changing and just doing really interesting stuff that you just don't notice unless you're like looking right at it. Um, this song is sort of about. I guess unanswered prayers, I guess that's it. Yeah, I think it's kind of introspective about religion um, and stuff like that, which I think works well with the themes from the previous track of just like, wow, look how shitty stuff is right now. And it's kind of, you know, all this bad stuff that's happening is producing these 21st century schizoid men. And it's kind of (laughs) what's I mean, what's going on in their mind? Like, yeah, all this shit is happening and you can try to pray for it, but you're just talking to the wind. It's just getting carried away. The wind doesn't listen and, to you. And 24 Sisters is history. I want to mention that at this time, in 1969, PTSD wasn't really a thing. Yeah. Uh, but they were just, they, they were describing what a lot of people uh, who have been in war are experiencing now, which is PTSD. Yeah. So, so it's a interesting thing. And then they go into this thing about uh, people, all these people after Vietnam, they found Jesus, <laughs> and, and this song is sort of saying, did they? Right. <laughs> um, I love kind of how different the instrumentation is between the two tracks, too. Where it's oh, like, yeah, it's very different. A lot of distorted guitars, and you got, like, screeching horns and stuff like that, and then this one comes in with, you got, like, flutes, there's no distorted guitars on it, I think you've got some, like, kind of, like, stringed, probably Mellotron mm. sound. And it it just sounds so much different, but they're both fantastic. And then we get into my favorite song on the record. Epitaph. This was my Epitaph. favorite for a while, too. Dude, the the singing on this is fucking fantastic. Uh, it's the first time in this record that I noticed how great this singing was. And I'm not really... I don't really give a shit about singing. Right. But this song. This song. I care about the singing so quite good. a bit. <laughs> it's got Mellotron. Heavy use of Mellotron in this song. I... We we should talk about the Mellotron. I was going to wait until the final track, but I think, at least for me, the Mellotron is probably my favorite instrument. 
I want to I want to own an Eltron big time because they're so weird. They're so cool. For people who don't know what they are, it's basically like the original like sampler or keyboard. It looks like it looks just kind of like a synth. Um, but how it got it it uses sampled sounds. But the way it does it is when you press on a key, there's a recording on tape that plays of somebody playing that instrument's note. So you're playing like a pre-recorded recording. Um, but because they were so finicky, because to run stuff like that, they needed electricity and it was hard to get like constant electricity on it. Or if the studio or wherever was too hot, it would stretch and warp the tapes. So that gets this really weird. I think it, it comes off as a lot more like psychedelic sounding. It's almost like, yeah, it, it, it's almost like a natural like chorus effect or something like that. Just something weird is happening to it that only happens with this weird finicky Mellotron thing. The Beatles which is which and the thing is that every sort of Mellotron can be different. Yeah. Just by the way they are. So uh I I wanna own a Mellotron um big time. Yeah. Just so I can fuck with it. And the Mellotron in this song is fantastic. Oh yeah. Like Mellotron is cool. And that's Mellotron's one of those things that I think like it's kind of a King Crimson thing. I know a lot of people credit them for being like a really cool like guitar band because the guitar player is ridiculous um but they're also a very heavy like mellotron band i think it's the first song that i mean the other songs but it's the first song that had sort of like a like a sci-fi sort of dystopian element to it yeah right? or at least uh. at the brink of something like that happening because you get the line like the fate of all mankind i see is in the hands of fools and it's like I, I yeah, also love the, the the build up after the middle the instrumental part March for reason, which is like the instrumental part in the middle. Yeah. I love the build up to that and after it. It's just like this. The, I love Epitaph. I really do. It's such a great song. Um, I love it. It does. It opens like really lush with like the music swelling and there's a lot of stuff happening and then everything just drops out except the drums and the singing at the beginning. I sort of it's. Like, I feel like it's a. I feel like it's the middle ground between um. Uh, I talked to the wind of 21st century schizo man. Oh, yeah. I sort of feel like it's like the middle ground between those two songs, you know, because those two songs are so different. But the you could stick epitaph in between those, and it would be like they you're going down kind of softly as opposed yeah. to going straight. No, no, I don't think they should change the order of the sequencing at all. I'm just saying to me, it's like the middle ground. Yeah, and I I love just kind of. Maybe it's just a product of there only being five songs on here, but a lot of the songs work really well together. Oh, yeah. As far as like themes go or the way they sound or things like that. Like, I feel like Epitaph, the stuff he's thinking is, you know, related to what he's talking about in 21st Sk Century Schizoid Band and mm -hmm. the introspective feelings that you get in I Talk to the Wind. Like, it's all, it, it all seems very connected. Like, they're like, oh, we're, we've got these themes we're thinking about and like they're literally going to show up on almost every track i fear tomorrow i'll be crying yeah <laughs> and that's a great line um, yeah this it's full of great lines confusion will be my epitaph as i crawl a cracked and broken path uh but yeah i mean i i do quite i do i like this song quite a bit yeah um this is the song that made me think i'm gonna go listen to red <laughs> you know? yeah they're very different if you want something that's more similar to this listen mm -hmm. to in the wake of poseidon that's their second one and a lot of people say it's like in the Court of the Crimson King 2.0. Okay. It a lot of people don't like it because they think it sounds too similar to this album. But I okay. I like them both. It's my dad's favorite King Crimson album. 
Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, my my dad didn't really twist, listen to music as intently as I did growing up. Or uh-huh. So, like, but that, now he's just, he's just, I don't know, man. <laughs> it's, moving on to uh, my least favorite song on the record. Yep, me too. Moonchild. Moonchild. What the fuck, dude? <laughs> um, I wish I knew. Because, honestly, I like... I like the first like two and a half minutes of Moonchild. I, I think part one is great. I think it's really interesting. Um, I'm curious if it's kind of like a kind of like a whimsical escapist kind of thing. Cause I, I think I get the idea of Moonchild of like yeah. part one is the dream and he's explaining his dream. And then like the second half of it, which is I think mine and yours sticking point on this and why we don't really dig it too much is maybe it's kind of supposed to have this like stream of consciousness, dreamlike feel to it. I, I also, the weirdest thing is they're so sixties waiting for a smile from a sun child. Really dude. Um, yeah. But think about it. It's the moon child <laughs> waiting for a sun child. Oh man. Uh, Man, it's it's like it's like a uh, it's it's like a sixties poet, but not in the cool way. Yeah, <laughs> it is a little romantic, I guess. A little, it it feels just kind of, I don't know, too fantasy y for this. Yeah, album. like beanstalks and giants and shit. Yeah, um, <laughs> but I will say, I still like part one, but. Part two, it is, which is oh. most of the song. It's like yeah. it's like the it's like the first two and a half minutes or this, which I was fine with, and then we get into the improvised part. And I'm like, I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah. Like, and they say freeform instrumental improvisation, which sounds cool. It's sound the idea of it sounds cool, but but and they call it the illusion, right? That's the second part they call the song, the illusion, the illusion that they're making good music. Yeah, is what, because. Because it's barely music, and it's just them fucking around. So, but the the only redeeming part about the illusion is the drumming in it. Because there's these with triplets and and all this other cool shit on the drums. <laughs> yeah, it's doing something. But uh, it, it's, like, it's kind of just like ten minutes of nothing. Like yeah, it is, the improvisation doesn't really go anywhere. Interesting. It doesn't build. It just kind of ends ten minutes into it. Um, or yeah, twelve minutes in. Oh, and a lot of improvisation. A lot of improv tracks say they what they do is in the middle of a song, they the improv and then they somehow these bands come back together and pay it off at the end, right? Like they'll come there and maybe finish song. Like the guys they have a song called "Shut the Door," which they fucking improv right in the middle of it. They do feedback squalls, do all kinds of cool shit, but somehow they know how to come together and end it. Same with Fugazi, and same with the Wilco. They had a song called "Kid Smoke" that lied they. Improv it out, and I, my mind gets blown, and they pull back together and the end of it, but not on fucking Moonchild. <laughs> and it's it seems like they also like turn it down a little bit because it's like they're all playing like really quietly. So this song, I like listening to music while I drive. This song is impossible to listen to while you drive because it'll never be louder than the air outside of your car. <laughs> so if you're listening, trying to listen to this album all the way through while you're driving you're going to have 10 minutes of just basically silence. 
So here's what I wrote down while listening to waiting for it to get interesting. Yep, still waiting. <laughs> but they do something really nice for us in the, at the end they of the song. It. They end it and they bring us into, I think my second my second favorite song on the record tied with the first one, called "In the Core of the Crimson King." Yeah, this is the Core of the Crimson King. This is yeah. the big Mellotron song, and I love it. I it's love so the song. Good. Yeah, um, I. Uh, it has. It also just has some cool lyrics. I love the part about like. The gardener plants an evergreen whilst trampling on a flower. Which I, I like, love ah, it. It's it's also kind of symphonic in a way. When oh yeah, it, it's a. Uh, I love the false stop in it. They have a false stop near the end where where, where um where they play and also the, sort of the melody of the Mellotron never gets old. No, you know, it's like, so they play it over and over, but it never gets old. And I so, love they have these little like instrumental breaks in it that are called different things. Um. I think it says it on Genius, but it also says it like on the the album. Like they break it down to different parts, but the sections are meant to represent like within the song things that are happening in the song. So there's a part where he says they're going to summon back the Fire Witch, and then the the part that plays is you know the return of the Fire Witch. They have a part where a jester or puppeteer is doing something with puppets, and then this little instrumental thing at the end of the song is like the dance of the puppets. <laughs> I, I, I honestly I can't get enough of the uh, Fire Witch. <laughs> I fucking love that term. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to meet the Fire Witch. I want to be my uh, uh, my wallpaper <laughs> on, <laughs> on my computer. Um, um, the uh, I love the like the little bit at the end, the dance of the puppets part. <laughs> it almost sounds like it sounds like it would be in a Yoshi's Island game. <laughs> It's very, very Nintendo sounding. I think this is the most fantasy inspired song in the record. I think a lot of people play D and D after based on characters in the song. Um, oh yeah. So I mean, I play uh, a fire wizard in my campaign. Oh, you do? Yeah. I play. I play a, a uh, mountain dwarf. Ooh. And I have another one where I play just like a, a just a human, uh, drifter, blaman. Who fights with my fire? I have two. But anyway, nice. anyway yeah. The ones we do on the... You know what the fate system is? Fate is like a simplified version of D&D. Uh-huh. Um, where you don't really have numbers. You you roll pluses or minuses. And you're... um And you have like, you know, like your stats are still laid out. D&D is much more complicated uh-huh. than this. and But uh, I do play D&D as well. But different. Yeah, mine's mostly D&D. How how good are you remembering the rules of D and D? All right, give me. I'm gonna. I want to show you this thing. I'm gonna turn the camera on. So I've got the record. The front cover is the schizoid man himself. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then on the inside, you've got. I believe that is the Crimson King. Nice, round face guy. Yep. Like a moon moon guy, I would have assumed he would have been the moon child, but <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, I guess not. I'm, he's not the moon child. Uh, I've seen that cover so many times, man. Like it's like it. it's it's iconic when it comes to rock music. In the very, One of my favorite very jokes least. in um, have I have I made you watch the Venture Brothers yet? You haven't, but you've mentioned them so many times. I need you to watch it. But in season, I think season three or four, um. One of the main characters, Doctor Venture, 
reveals his um his source of like scientific inspiration and it turns out to be progressive rock and so all he does is like he is like one of those like men in black egg chairs in a room that he sits in and listens to progressive rock but he's showing it to his son and uh you know he's like looking through the different things and he pulls out in the court of the crimson king and he's like oh no no you're not ready for the crimson king yet it'll turn you into a mad scientist if you listen too early (laughs) (laughs) so uh do you like prog rock in general oh i fucking love prog rock I, I, I see Terry Mellis are sort of in the in that sort of vein. I know you have Terry Mellis. Yeah, they're they're like prog punk. I think I think with a lot of prog rock what I really what I really like is you get like concept albums or you know, extended jams or things like that. Like I really love when songs are broken down into different parts, like And you don't even smoke weed, man. I know. God just imagine <laughs> if I did. Yeah. <laughs> um so that's what that's kind of what I really like about progressive rock a lot of it kind of has some like cool instrumentation stuff but it's very like virtuosic but Mm -hmm. still interesting because i do find a lot of like i don't know shred guitar guys i find their music to be painfully boring even like they're ripping it but it's like this music is boring dude dude i was talking about this the other day ingve malstein is probably the best guitarist on the planet i Uh can't stand his music no i'm I'm the same way with like steve Vai or joe satriani and uh I had an argument with someone about Dimebag Daryl. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, he was a great guitarist, but I don't think I don't. I think Vantera fucking suck. I agree. <laughs> I fuck Vantera, man. I hate them. Um, and you can the, be a guitarist and still write shitty music. Yeah, that's and that you know, virtue being a virtuosity doesn't impress me as much as good songwriting. You know, so. That yeah, I'm glad we I'm glad we are on the same page about that. But yeah, but if, if you want like, to go down, if you want to, if you want me to at some point sit you down in the egg chair and introduce you to <laughs> cool progressive rock shit, I've mm-hmm. I think about it a lot. I've got just great crazy shit to show you. Do you have an egg chair for me? I wish I had an egg chair. <laughs> Best I got is the Spotify playlist. <laughs> <laughs> and then the uh, the the. Uh, Chairs I make you sit on here with, what the wick chairs made of wick. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'll I'll let you have a uh, uh, folding steel chair. Okay, thank you. And I'll hit you well, over the head. Uh, please don't. We so uh, respecting social distancing. Right? Yeah. Oh, speaking of which, um, I tried Stone Cold Steve Austin's beer. And is it? Does it taste like? Does it taste like a can of whip ass? Yeah, it's all right. Okay. I'm not a big IPA guy. I'm more impressed that like he made like a craft IPA because when you see a dude just kind of smashing two beers together and pouring it into his mouth, <laughs> I don't think of like an IPA. I think you know. You don't think of craft beer? You think yeah, of some kind of domestic shit? Yeah, I'm a I'm a craft beer guy. So Me I, I mean, I refuse to drink Budweiser, Bud Light, or Coors. I'll just drink a you know IPA or something else. I mean. If it's some place where it's like, hey, you can get a whole can for a dollar, it's like, all right, give me. Fucking- yeah, I mean, I can't beat that price. Can't beat that price, really. But yeah, I do enjoy it. I do it, enjoy the occasional PBR. That seems like a real hipster. I'm sorry, dude. I think of so, um. <laughs> You're thinking about all that alcohol and just getting. I know. Up. It's weird, man. Yeah. Um. I mean, I think I wear it pretty proudly on my sleeve that I'm a hipster. 
Yeah. <laughs> me too, with all the vinyl I have. It's weird. Yeah, I mean, I don't have like a twirly mustache or anything. I don't shave with a straight razor. What else is there? <laughs> Are you doing okay? Yeah, hold on one second. <laughs> you don't listen to RK Fire, but I mean, you do listen to RK Fire, so there you go. Yeah, so technically I do. <laughs> anyway, moving on. I quite like. Sorry, man. The, I don't. Fuck, man. I, I quite like King Crimson. And the core of the Crimson King. Uh, fuck, man. <laughs> Do you, do you want to take a break and cut it out? Yeah, hold on. I'll cut it out. Okay. I'll write this down. Uh, Where we are. Probably Is like that, right around like an hour or so. Hour, hour and uh, one minute. Fuck, man. <laughs> I think I'm good, though. <laughs> Fuck, man. I, 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 I'm not the type of person that gets... Uh, I'm because I'm a little... A little drunk, because when you're keto, oh yeah, you get drunk super easy. Um, oh excuse me, um, uh, but uh, whew, I think that's it. <sighs> so I quite like the core of the crimson in the core of the crimson king. I'm really glad you showed it to me. I'm glad I'm I'm glad it clicked with you because I feel like um, were you worried at all? Uh, kinda, not really. It was kind of like I was sure you would appreciate it. Um, mm-hmm. but I think, I feel like progressive rock is a hard sell and especially trying to sell somebody with the fucking mad scientist album over here. Um, I think, I think this one's kind of a hard sell. Normally if somebody's like, oh, I want to know what this progressive rock thing's about, I'd probably start them off with like rush or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. 20, Some, 2012 or something. Yeah. Something just a little. 2020, what, 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 2112 was it? Yeah. yeah. 2012. Yeah. Something, I guess, a little easier to digest because this has, you know, in the court of the, or in um, 21st century schizoid man, you've got kind of like, you know, extended instrumental jam sessions that are kind of all over the place and weird time signatures and kind of screechy horns and all this stuff. Um, but I mean, this is one of my favorite albums. I feel like if you're really into prog rock, like only prog rock, that's a guaranteed way to get girls weirded out by you. Yeah, <laughs> I guess we'll find out. Maybe I can. I'll show it off. Yeah, ask ask Amara. Yeah, <laughs> All right, we're gonna listen to this now. Yeah, she's like, I don't. I'm not attracted to you anymore. Yeah, it's just the, Can't yeah, say you'd it. be like, yeah. <laughs> but um, no, I'm glad you showed me this. I'll definitely be checking out other King Crimson in my free time. I'm glad you showed me this quite a bit. Yeah, when you listen to Red, I would say go go Red next because I want to. Mm-hmm. I want to know what you think of the the style shift, because people can also that can consider that opportunity to heavy metal, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a Dang, bit more. Uh... And then maybe after that one, listen to Discipline, okay, which is even like further removed because they they broke up in '74 with Red, and then they got back together in like the '80s, and so you you get this like, it's a very 80s sounding album you got like synths and stuff in it you've got um some guy playing like a chapman stick as the bass player so he's just like tapping all these things it's it's insane it's really cool though and one of the songs on there sounds like jerry was a race car driver by primus yeah do you think maybe uh primus have been influenced by oh for sure yeah yeah Yeah. they they love king crimson that's kind of how i first started listening to him 
Oh, is that what you consider Primus to turn you on all these older groups? Was what? Is Primus one of those bands that turn you on all these older groups? Oh, yeah, that's... I'd, you know, watch interviews with them and they'd mention a band or they'd cover a band and I'd be like, cool, I'm going to check out their entire discography. I think for, like, five years, everything I was listening to was in some way related to Primus. So I, I've done the same thing, but uh, Jeff Lewis has led me astray with bands like the Holy Model Rounders, uh-huh. which I'm like, I'm like, this is this is garbage. Um, <laughs> but the Fugs are pretty cool. You know the Fugs are? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I like the Fugs quite uh, a little bit. Uh, I, I still have yet to check out the Fall, which he did like a a record, like a like a tour record called Twelve Fall Songs, where he did Fall covers of the Fall. Did anyway. Twelve of them, actually. Not not, not like twelve country. Yeah. <laughs> not like twelve uh, country golden hits or whatever. Yeah. Um, by, by, um, country greats. Yeah, which is only ten songs, yeah. and that that has a, another song in that record that I find hard to justify. Yeah. But I do think they're joking mostly. Mostly. I think they're joking. I'm almost one hundred percent positive they are. And no, and Fat Mike was not. Right. So, <laughs> uh. But yeah, man, I'm glad you showed me this. Um, I think uh, you hit the nail right on the head when it comes to um, to uh, to uh, what I had in mind. Right. Awesome. Yeah, I I think that one stood out the most for sure out of all my stuff. I can't even think of any other records that had just like because what I was kind of hoping for is like I would get I don't know like a punk or a metal album that just for like whatever reason there's like some weird radio friendly hit just right in the middle of it. <laughs> But I don't know. Yeah. I don't even know if any of those exist. Uh, I mean, at least in your record collection or things you listen to. Yeah, um, something I would know off the top of my head. Yeah, and so, I mean, when I read, I read the Rose Says the Storm, I put it in the bag, and I was like, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and this is one of those ones I came up with after our initial uh, uh, the idea of topics. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I thought it was just a silly name for it. So I love it. it. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm glad. Uh, uh, I think it's time for us to pull another topic out of the hat. New theme. New theme. Let's do it. All right. I have the hat right here. New theme. New theme. New theme. I have the hat right here, so I don't have to worry about it. Uh, Okay. So I pulled it out, and it's literary influence. Ooh, okay. uh, So uh, bands are influenced by literature. So these are going to be bands that usually are are not dumb. You know, it's not going to be. Yeah, I've got I've got a couple in mind. I do too. I know the first one that popped into my head, so I might just end up doing that one. But see, uh, the first one that popped in my head we already talked about, which is King James Version by Danger. Uh huh. But uh, I got another one. So I got a few other ones in my. That's not that's not inspired by a book. That's inspired by the book. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't say that. Me neither. but I, I definitely got a few uh, a few um, records that I uh, have to figure out which ones I like more. But uh, yeah, literary influence, uh, liter influenced by literature. Cool. Well, I hope you're ready for something that's probably in the progressive rock wheelhouse. I, I know. I was just about to think that. I was like, <laughs> of course, it's going to be progressive rock feel. I got something that might work. Um, and it, it, it doesn't have to be fine literature. It can be comic books. but something that's yeah. based on literature. So. Ooh, uh, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I've got a few. All right, cool, cool, cool. Um, what else you got going else? on? Let's wrap I this have up. A, what you have yeah, going on? I do another podcast where we call movies that don't suck and some that do. We do two movies a week. We've been doing streaming picks lately. 
But uh, we, it's just a movie critique show. We talk shit a lot. I joked a couple weeks ago that you call movies that don't suck and dick jokes. Uh-huh. But, um, but yeah, it's just it's just a movie movie review podcast. What else you got? What do you do, man? Um, well, I I am in the band that did our opening and closing themes for this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are called Smell, and we're on Bandcamp at smell.bandcamp.com. Uh, all of our stuff is free if you want it. Are you you drumming? It, I'm sorry, <laughs> my wife's my wife's upstairs. I'm sorry that the mic caught that. All right. You got a good mic. Yeah, smell it with a question mark, correct? Yeah, but not in the uh, not in the uh, URL. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, the stuff's free. You can download it, or you can just listen to it straight in the browser. Um, it's good shit, guys. I, I like quite a bit. I also do a podcast called Record Night, where we <laughs> <laughs> we do themes and pick records based <laughs> on it. You got, you got, you have um, a few episodes of the um, of the Cool Bandana guys, right? Oh, we, yeah, that was a while ago. We just we were doing a video game book club. We did it for three months, and then life kind of happened. We have more free time now, though. Yeah, but I don't know. People have bought houses, and they're doing housework stuff. They got big boy jobs. But we, I mean, at least we still do this one. Yeah, listening to All two right. records is way less of a commitment than playing an entire game. Yeah, twenty-five hour game. We're talking about yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, you can uh, email us with the ideas for topics if you want to cover at uh, reckonthatpod at gmail.com. You can also, also follow us on Instagram uh, where we post kind of pictures of the the episodes. I will also, if you're curious what we're listening to at the moment, our story is often just full of what records are playing at the moment. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that if you want to get into discussions anywhere feel free to hop into the comments and say some stuff yeah we're also also on facebook uh, uh facebook.com slash record night um i'm really surprised we were able to snag that one yeah um we're record night pod on instagram i believe yeah i think there's a record night podcast another one that started, started after us started after us and has done less episodes yeah fuck them um, <laughs> but um but no uh yeah we're coming for you but uh, yeah uh, email us with ideas uh, message with ideas we are always open to adding new topics uh, otherwise we'll have to start digging around for more stuff um, oh yeah but, if you uh, have any ideas of what our what our themes and stuff should be please feel free to shoot us an email yeah we'll definitely add in there and if you're lucky we'll pick it yeah I mean you'll probably pick it regardless and um alright man uh, I'm Chris and I'm Ryan and thanks for listening to Record Night. See you next time.